Luke chapter 15, verses 13, excuse me, verses 11 through 32, part 2. Luke 15, 11 and following. Then he said, a certain man had two sons, and the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falls to me. So he divided to them his livelihood. And not many days after, the younger son gathered all together, journeyed to a far country, and there wasted his possessions with prodigal living. But when he had spent all, there arose a severe famine in that land, and he began to be in want. Then he went and journeyed himself and joined himself to a citizen of that country, and he sent him into his fields to feed swine. And he would gladly have filled his stomach with the pods that the swine ate, and no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have bread enough and to spare, and I perish with hunger? We're going to be looking at the next two verses this session. I will arise and go to my father and will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you and am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. But when he was still a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight and am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servant, Bring out the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his hand and sandals on his feet and bring the fatted calf here and kill it and let us eat and be merry for this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And he began to be merry. So out in the far country, we saw the devolution of the younger son. He just keeps getting worse and worse and worse. Finds himself in a more disparaging circum- under more disparaging circumstances as the story goes. We stopped with uh, his resolve. He makes a resolve in the midst of all this when he's down in the pits, down at the bottom. In verses 18 and 19, I will arise and go to my father and will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you, and I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. Now, in that culture, the son would have had to pay his father back and earned the right to be considered part of the family again. So that's one, the cultural side of it. The father would have demanded restitution. You want to be, you want back in? you got to jump through these hoops. The family would have been greatly shamed. Okay, this is a public spectacle. If the father hired him, it would have been for the younger son to earn his way back into his favor. Okay, so that's the cultural side of this, but I don't think it's the spiritual side of it, as we're going to see. Now, if that is the case, 
that the younger son would have to earn his way back into his father's favor. That's not spiritual repentance. That's not saving repentance or faith. This is, tying to, this is trying to pacify his father by his own actions. Okay, this is not the answer to your plight if you're in the far country to pacify God by better actions than your past actions. Theologically, we might say this is salvation by works, right? The younger son does not understand the depths of his problem yet, nor the only remedy. Does he start to understand he's in big trouble? Yes, he does, and we can see that. We already saw it a little. Here's what Keats says. I observe from hence that the conviction of the Spirit of God tend to humble and abase a sinner, the convictions. They make him poor in spirit and lay him at the feet of God. They wound him and bring him under self-abhorrence. I infer also that a legal spirit doth at first much attend such convictions. I'll tell you what he means in a second. He is for doing something to procure his father's favor. Hire me. I'll earn your favor back. He did not yet see how he comes to be accepted in Jesus Christ. The prodigal seeing his own unworthiness shows that he was thoroughly convinced of sin and his woeful condition thereby, but... In desiring to become an hired servant, it shows that great darkness was yet in his understanding. Though his conscience was thoroughly awakened, yet his mind was not effectually illuminated. And no marvel, seeing he was not yet returned to his father. So he's not back with his father. He's out in the far country, and he's thinking this. I'll go back to my father, I'll confess my sins, I'll, requ I'll request that he allows me to become something so I can do something to earn his favor, okay? So it kind of looks good, common sense, culturally, but spiritually it's way bad. That's why I said before, I don't think the previous verse indicates his full conversion. Keach says further, I do not believe he was yet converted because he did not know whether his father would pardon him or not. I, I agree. Make me like one of your hired servants. Now look at verse 21. And the son said to him, now he's there, after the father ran after him and kissed him. Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight and am no longer worthy to be called your son. He already said that, right? But notice what he doesn't say when he's in the presence of his father. Make me like one of your hired servants. Something happened, I think, in between. Him thinking this while in the far country and the father running after him, the father running after him taught him something. And we'll get that at some point. This younger son needed to learn more 
about the mercy and grace and forgiveness of God. Not that we do our part and God does his part. Not that God does all he can in the sufferings and redemption of Christ. And then we do our part to, to fulfill, to bring to completion, to bring determination, to bring to perfection what Jesus has done for us. But he's done it all. We come filthy, sinful, mired, and scarred, and we just lay it at his feet and cry out for mercy and get it. Actually, we come most freely, having been made willing by his grace, right? We are brought. We don't just go on our own. We are brought. I think this younger son needed to learn from our hymnal, come ye weary, heavy laden, bruised and broken by the fall. If you tarry till you're better, you will never come at all. Not the righteous, not the righteous, not the righteous. Sinners, Jesus came to save. Notice the words again. Make me like one of your hired servants. Put me in the position to earn your favor. To clean myself, to clean my record up so that I might attain to some point in my life where you actually receive me based on me serving you. Does salvation come by virtue of our service for Christ? Or does salvation come based on Christ's service for us? If it's the former, we're in trouble. It's the latter, hallelujah. Matter of fact, is Christ ever called a servant? In the form of a servant, Philippians 2, right? He became obedient to the point of death. When did, he car- went, when did he start becoming obedient? In the womb. It's womb to tomb obedience for us and for our righteousness. We're, we're not his servant in the sense of we serve him and he says, good, uh, and when well done, faithful servant, you have earned my favor. He is our servant. He's Jehovah's servant who serves the sinners, sinners on the earth as well. This younger son needed to learn. Of course, he didn't have a Trinity hymnal. But if he did, I would read him these words too. Thy works, not mine, O Christ, beat gladness to this heart. They tell me all is done. They bid my fear depart. To whom save thee, who canst alone for sin atone, Lord, shall I flee? Thy pains, not mine, O Christ, upon the shameful tree, have paid the law's full price and purchased peace for me. Thy cross, not mine, O Christ, has borne the awful load of sins that none in heaven or earth could bear but God. Thy righteousness, O Christ, alone can cover me. No righteousness avails save that which is of thee. He needed to get that firmly entrenched in his soul. And he hadn't done it by the time we get at the end of verse 19. Make me like one of your higher servants. Put me in a position where I can earn your favor. I can do something so that you'll respond in kind. But something happens. He arose and came to his father. But when he was still a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion on him and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. Now, I don't want to rain on next week's parade, but you ever heard something like that before? You ever read the Old Testament? You won't hear it next week because you won't be here. 
We'll try to make some connections with maybe Jacob. Sean got it. I have a book on my shelf. Actually, it's not on my shelf because I took it down to remind me of some of the points here. Jacob and the prodigal. Very interesting. He's making this old, this author's making connections between old Jacob and the prodigal in Luke 15, this running and hugging and kissing on his neck. By the way, some of you might be struggling with this man, this father, it has to be God the Father. Well, a lot of my heroes take that view. I tend to think it's going to be connected with the other two acts in the parable where the good shepherd was the Lord Jesus and the good woman represented the Lord Jesus and the good man, I think, is going to represent the Lord Jesus. Matter of fact, we see humiliation here in one sense uh, and we see... um, Seeking the lost in this second part as well. When he saw still, when he was still a great way off, he saw his father and had, excuse me, but when he was still a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. Now, watch. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight and am no longer worthy to be called your son. Full stop, end of quote. And he doesn't add the end of verse 19. I'm telling you, something happened there. Something triggered his mind. He realized, I don't have to say the last part and make me like a hired servant so I can win your favor. I get it. Favor has been earned for me by another and is confirmed upon me, confirmed upon me freely. I don't earn it. I don't deserve it. I earn and deserve just the opposite. But the father said to his servant, bring out the best robe and put, on, put it on him and put a ring on his hand and sandals on his feet and bring the fatted calf here and kill it and let us eat and be merry for this my son was dead and is alive again and was lost and is found and they began to be merry. There's a lot of connections between this story and the two previous ones. There's rejoicing going on and if we had no problem identifying Jesus as the one who got, went out and got the lost sheep, identifying Jesus as the one who found the lost coin. I don't have a problem with identifying Jesus as this father. You say, well, it says a certain man had two sons. Jesus isn't a man. Very God and very man. He's the mediator between God and man, the man, Christ Jesus, Oh, but he's called a father here. Eternal father, prince of peace, everlasting or eternal father, Isaiah 9, 6. Speaking of the son to be incarnate. So there you have it. I think we can do it that way. Next week, we'll pick up at verse 20. The point of this is stopping there because it says... Make me like one of your hired servants. That's, that's a biggie. Put me in a posture where I can earn your favor. Jesus is going to say, the story's not over because that's not the way salvation works. We don't put ourselves in a position or ask God to put us, put me in a better position so I can earn divine and heavenly favor and have my sins forgiven and the title to glory. Jesus, if he heard us thinking that way and was here, would say, no, you need to be quiet and wait till next week. The pastor will show you something transpires 
after that last statement so that when he repeats his words, he leaves those off. And it's very crucial and it's very key. Do you think the language after that might help us? He was dead, but is alive again. Do you think that spiritual regeneration occurred at some point during here and his, sh his shackles were cut off and his shingles, his eye covers were removed and he saw and he understood and he realized and it was probably through the scene of the merciful one running toward him when he was in trouble, not him running toward the merciful one necessarily, but seeing the merciful one coming and laying hold of him. Something like that. that that's what I think happens. It's a moving story just on the human level, but it's there not just for the human level. Well, I am finished. Let us pray. We thank you, Lord, for your word. We pray you'd help us to love it more because it shows us the grace of God in Christ. It gives us the uh, rules for living, not that we might gain Christ, but that because we have him and we want to please him and live in light of his grace for us. Bless now the supper, we ask as well, in Jesus' name, amen.